0: The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast's continuing coverage of Euro 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. what's up p nation welcome to episode number 54 of parking the bus yes i've got my jersey on you can see it if you're watching live the group stage is over my team survived and what a day of football we had today what a day of football that we just had it was phenomenal from start to finish i mean whether you're talking about the matches in Group E or the matches in Group F. It was fantastic today. Uh, four matches, all worth watching. And it is fun when there's definitely fun when there's two matches going on simultaneously, in my opinion. I really like when that happens. Um, I kind of like, you know, keeping an eye on two matches, even though obviously today when my team's playing in, in one, it was a lot harder to, to to keep up with what was going on in the Germany versus Hungary match, but I had it on, I had it, I had access to it and I kept looking over, but as the match went on, I do, I must say my eyes started to shift that way. just a little, because I mean, it was just nail biting, um, you know, from a the perspective of a Portugal fan, obviously, you know, right off the bat, Hungary scores and it's like, Part of me want, wanted Hungary so bad to advance. I thought they deserved to advance, but not at my expense, of course. Um, as a fan, as a neutral, I could totally understand uh, why any why everyone would want Hungary to advance. And a lot of Hungarians filled the stadium in Budapest tonight for the Portugal-Spain game. And that was very evident because when Hungary scored, the entire stadium erupted as if it had happened in front of them. At the time, I thought that was I thought it was the French fans celebrating because I I thought they really wanted to eliminate us today. And they probably did up to a point until they realized, you know, that the results were going their way and they didn't need to take as many chances, but boy, they were close. I mean, Portugal survived. They, like I said, they looked, it was an improvement from the Germany match, but boy, France, when they want to turn it on, are just so, talented so so talented fortunately though uh it wasn't a full 90 minute onslaught and they didn't really exploit the weak points that germany had basically pointed out for the whole world to see last saturday um the manager got it much right much better today he, uh, he made some adjustments and i think he got them right I'll get into it when I talk about that match, but um, at the end of the day, the, the three teams in the group of death all got out, but that group of death was even tougher than expected, in my opinion, because Hungary were much more a player in this group than anyone had given them credit that they would be. They only lost one match. Fortunately for Portugal, it was Portugal that got that victory and got the two extra goals in that victory to make today a lot more bearable. Granted, the four points was always going to be enough. But still, um, if not for that victory over Hungary, we're looking at Hungary and Portugal both on three points. And who knows? Who knows at that point? Although... um, yeah, I mean Hungary can leave with their head held high. They drew the world champions. They drew the Germans that had just obliterated the European champions in the previous match day. It was an absolute uh, honorable performance from Hungary in this edition of Euro 2020. I think they can be very very proud of themselves especially in the group they were drawn into. Now there there was the little bit that they were playing at home but you know what i'm not going to i'm not going to chalk that up because today they were on the road they were in in germany taking on germany and for much of the match when i looked over they were not just holding their own they were taking it to germany at times germany draws you know levels 1-1 and hungary immediately goes back ahead putting the pressure on the teams in the other match as well. It was just a real, real good day of football. Um, a lot to watch. I've seen some of the comments out there. Some people thought that the teams in the group of death didn't, uh, didn't perform or didn't show as well as you thought they should. Well, that's because they were in the group of death. Let, let's let be real here for a second. How would it, how would Italy or The Netherlands have looked in this group not as fantastic, obviously, as they did facing the competition that they faced. Okay, and how would one of these teams have looked in another group? We don't know, but I think the the thing is, it was a very very competitive group. Okay, Um, move aside, you know Portugal's collapse against Germany, but it was a competitive group. Hungary came in and did their work. Okay. They were very much a player, like I said, in the group. And they brought a lot to this this group. And they pushed the top teams to the absolute limit. All three of them. So when we talk Group F in a little bit... um you know we'll we'll get more into that but i come away very very impressed with the work of hungary now in the other group in spain's group we've got a spanish team that finally came out today a spanish team that finally showed some of what they can do it wasn't without its stress as well because after let me tell you after morata missed that penalty kick I thought maybe we were about to see the implosion of a fantastic team and I thought maybe we were going to see I don't know we were going to see just a complete upset in the making. I thought maybe Slovakia were going to we're going to get through this and I thought maybe Slovakia were just going to sneak one in there and make it real interesting. Of course, the other match in that group was very, very good as well, where you had you had Poland taking on Sweden, and just when you thought that one was done, and just when you thought that one was going to you know, you thought it was a sure thing for Sweden, Poland come roaring back on the back of who else but the great. Great, maybe the greatest Polish player of all time, and yes, that's saying something because there were phenomenal, world-class Polish players, especially in the nineteen seventies. But maybe the best Polish footballer of all time, Robert Lewandowski, comes up with two huge goals today, keeps his team in it right to the very end before the Ukraine, No, I'm sorry, before Sweden take it away from them. All right, let's get into it now. All right, let's look at, we'll look at the early matches first. And we will start with Spain. Okay, and Slovakia. I'm pulling that up right now. And this match was taking place in Seville in Spain, in Sevilla. And it was in front of a crowd of 11,204. The referee was from the Netherlands. It was Bjorn Kuipers. The lineups starting with Slovakia. Martin Dubrovka is the goalkeeper. They're playing 4-4, 1-1. Peter Pekarik is the right back. Lubomir Satka, Milan Skriniar. And Tomas Ho- Hubokan are the four in the back. While the midfield has Lucas Haraslin in, on the right. Jirai Kuka and Jacob Ron- Romada in the center. And Robert Mack down the left with Marek Hamsik playing in the traditional number 10 role behind the striker Andre Duda. Four. La Roja, they come in with Unai Simon once again in goal for Luis Enrique. They're playing a 4-3-3. The four across the back, we see the return of Cesar Azpilicueta as the right back Eric Garcia and Laporte team up to take on the role of central defense, while Jordi Alba plays down the left in midfield. The three is anchored by Sergio Busquets, Coke to the right, Pedri to the left. Not much of a change there. And then the three in the attack, Alvaro Morata is the striker, Pablo Sarabia down the right, and Gerard Moreno down the left. So like we said, it starts off uh, with a a penalty kick early. So I'll go to that first. It was in the 12th minute. Uh, Not called originally, referee Bjorn Kuypers goes to the monitor, takes a look, comes back, and points to the spot and awards a penalty kick to Spain. Up steps Alvaro Morata, who desperately needs a goal. He desperately needs to get his name back on the score sheet. However, it wasn't meant to be, as it would be saved. It was a fantastic, fantastic Saved by Martin Dubravka. Uh, He guesses right. He gets a strong hand up and he parries it away. Real, real good job done by the goalkeeper there to keep it out and keep it nil-nil. And like I said, when when that went down, I'm I'm wondering how was Spain going to respond? Are their heads going to drop? Are they going to start to just pass sideways and backways slow? And are they going to lose all belief in themselves? Well... The answer is no. And finally, in the 30th minute, though, it was maybe the worst goalkeeping gaffe we have seen in a long, long time. Dubrovka going up, looking like he's maybe trying to parry the ball over the bar for a corner kick or something along that line. But again, we, I, I've harped on this in this tournament more than I think I ever have. And the same is true for goalkeepers as for defenders. When you get them turning around, facing their own goal, Their mistakes lead to own goals. We've seen a lot of own goals in this tournament, and the majority of them are hard-earned own goals. This one, you know, I think he just gets caught out of position, and instead of backpedaling, turns, looks, and tries to parry the ball over the bar, misparries it, and puts it right into his own goal. 1-0 to La Roja, and the Spanish fans erupt in a sigh of relief really as it looks like they were you know starting to think about the possibility of going out in the group stage of this competition uh three points wasn't going to do it most likely they knew that um they knew that they would need a better goal difference because they were at even had they drawn today it would have still been an even draw knowing portugal have a plus one goal difference and Knowing that, well, actually, they would—they would, they would have—it would have got them through because they would have had a better goal difference than the Ukraine. So when this ball went in, I think the Ukraine was as happy as anybody that the goalkeeper had a gaff like this. I, I'm sure that it was the Ukraine that had celebrated this as much as the Spanish did, because uh, this gave them a brand new lease on life. And just before the half, Laporte makes it 2-0. A very nice goal off a set piece as he gets in there and finds the back of the net. And Spain now go comfortably into the locker room at halftime with a 2-0 lead. I'm sure that Luis Enrique was telling him at that point to continue, to continue, to keep going, to press on because they did not want to put their fate in someone else's hands. They did not want to. Uh, they did not want to leave it up for the end of the match and make it a stressful situation, and therefore, you know, I think they really, they really um, came out in the second half and and really made a statement. Now, I got a comment on Facebook. You can't see it on the screen for some reason. The Facebook comments don't make it to this screen, and I don't know why, because they should. But Italo Hara, friend of mine down in Florida, asks who I got in the finals. Oh, my goodness. Uh, looking at it, it's going to be very, very tough to call. Um, I think if Belgium uh, get by Portugal... I think the winner of that Belgium-Italy quarterfinal that is matching up, um, I think the winner of that quarterfinal probably gets into the final and they'll face likely likely, either France or the Netherlands, I would say, um, based on just how teams are playing. But then again, teams that are in groups that are not as strong are going to look better. And I said this a few nights ago, the teams that wow us in the group stage are very rarely in the final. Somewhere along the way, someone stops them from being able to play so well. They slip up. And at some point, they can't do what they've been doing and they tr- they struggle to adjust. They get caught caught on a counter or something like that, or they go out in a penalty shootout in a match where they control the entire thing and they're they're sending men forward and they're getting chance after chance after chance and they can't get it in. Um, We've seen that too, where favorites go down in a shootout, for example. Um, But right now, my best bet for a spot in the final is going to be whoever gets out of this quarterfinal between Italy and the winner of Belgium-Portugal. Um, I definitely think the winner of that quarterfinal will go to the final. Um, England's going to play a lot of matches at home. However, I think they're going to lose to Germany to be brutally honest with you. I think Germany's going to send England home right now in the round of 16. And at the end of the episode, we'll break down the round of 16, but I think that it's going to be interesting, but I, you know, Germany may very well make a run here too. I know they didn't play well today. And they're very inconsistent. But when they want to, they can still make a statement. Moving now to the second half of this one. Um, Spain come out, like we said, with the lead. And in the 56th minute, it is Sarabia making it 3-0. And now you know that the floodgates are about to open. Fernand Torres makes it 4-0 in the 67th minute. And it's Kuka with an own goal again, another own goal in the 71st minute. And Slovakia completely crumbles, completely comes apart. And that that is the tournament for Slovakia, who started so promising with that victory over Poland. okay, and then losing just a mere one nil to Sweden on a penalty kick. They were so close to getting that all important fourth point. That would have landed them in the round of 16. But when push came to shove today. And when it was a must. You know must get a result type of match. They they met a Spanish side that woke up. They met a Spanish side that finally found the back of the net. They met a Spanish side that started loving their football again. And credit to Luis Enrique. I've criticized him in the past. I've Criticized this methodology. I've criticized this style. This this. Um. Poor man's tiki taka is what it really is. I don't think. I think it's a disrespect to the Spain teams of 2008, 2010, 2012 to call this tiki taka, Um, because again, it just it is it is like a lower level version. It's like a cheaper version of the same, you know, high class product. It's like when you it's like a generic version of a of a high end product. It's like going to Walmart or to or to Target and getting the the knockoff, um, Tiki Taka. That, that's what this team looked like. But today, they got it done. They needed a little help, though. It was the OG, the own goal, that, that changed everything, that had them settling down and had them playing their football again. Uh, moving on to the other game in that group, going on simultaneously. This one's in St. Petersburg. Very, very high temperatures in St. Petersburg. A lot of the teams are talking about the heat in this competition. Um and the recovery is definitely going to be affected by the fact that they're playing in the heat, but especially the teams playing in the daylight hours, such as these four teams dealing with even more heat. We've seen the cooling breaks, but it is Sweden taking on Poland. Let's look at the lineups. I'll start with Poland. Uh, obviously, Skezny is in gold. The Juventus keeper, they're playing three, four, two, one burns, uh, Brzezinski is the right center back, Camille Glick the central defender, and Jan Bederek is the left center back with Camille Jozewak and Timutush Pukac as the two wing backs. Wyak uh, and Klitsch are the are the uh, pivot in midfield with two attacking midfielders in front of them. Carol Kar- uh, Swid- Swiderski and Piotr Zielinski and they're playing behind the legend the man, the myth, the legend I am going to miss this player when he is no longer playing I lo- he's a joy to watch it is Robert Lewandowski of Bayern Munich of course for Sweden Robin Olsen is the goalkeeper uh, four in the back in their traditional old school 4-4-2 with two lines of four you got Mikael Lustig as the right back. Victor Lindelof and Marcus Danielson, the center backs. Ludwig Augustinson is the left back. The two center midfielders are Christopher Olsen and Albion Ekdal. With Emil Forsberg going down the left. And Sebastian Larsson, the captain, going down the right. Robin Quaison partners with Alexander Izak in the attack up front. And... Again, this was a match that was just so much fun to watch, so much fun to follow. Sweden get on the board here. I think it's in like within 40 seconds. Let's see here. It was very, very early. I think it was before the first minute even expired. It was, it just says here in the first minute, but it was seconds into the match, and it was Emil Forsberg. What a phenomenal player Emil Forsberg is. One of my favorites, of course, I like a lot of the, if you've noticed listening to the show the past 13 days, I like the, the guys from RB Leipzig. There's a lot of players I like in that RB Leipzig team, whether it is Forsberg or it is, you know, uh, Paulson, I do like those players, um, and I like the way they play. And, and and it's been fun to watch them play with their national teams, no doubt. And it is a great start for Sweden. Pol- Poland had multiple attempts to clear the ball. First, when Izak brought it down before Forz- Forsberg latches onto it. He takes it around, glick, and fires across the goal into the far bottom corner. 1-0 to the Swedes, and assist for Alexander Izak, one of the darlings of this tournament. No doubt he has played some phenomenal, phenomenal football. For for Sweden, especially given the style of play that they play and they sit in deep and they wait and they wait. And when he does get the ball, a lot of times he's all by himself on an island. And I think he has created so much for his team off of the dribble just by himself without any support. He has just opened up with his dribble. He has opened up spaces for his teammates to get in. And he he's just a phenomenal player on the ball. A joy to watch. I really like Alexander Izak. Of course, he plays his club football for uh, Athletic Bilbao, if I'm not mistaken. And he is a Real Sociedad. Excuse me. I made that mistake yesterday when I uh, when I <laughs> misidentified players uh, between a couple of Mexican teams. And they were rivals. All right. And joining us now on the line, Bodie is here. He is at Fade My Plays. Let's welcome him to the
1: show. What's up, bro? What is going on? Apologies. Apologies for being so late. I didn't even think I could make it, but I just had to get on and talk about the madness that we witnessed today.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just getting into uh, Sweden versus Poland. I'll let you, if you want, say anything about the Spain game. I I ran that one down pretty quickly, but they I finally mean, hey,
1: showed up. Spain showed That was literally, that's the only thing I have to say <laughs> about it. Spain showed up, especially after that Morata brick penalty. First of all, Spain have five penalties now that they've bricked in a row. That's pretty insane. But also, I mean, there was a part of me that wanted them to lose just so that... uh, God, I always forget his name. What's his face? Their manager. Um, Luis Enrique. Thank you. Just so Luis Enrique, like it's like, see, well, that's what happens when you leave out every vet and every Madrid player. But, I mean... We all saw this coming. We all thought it would happen earlier than this, but it was good to see them actually get some life so that they won't just be swept away in the next round.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think they got buoyed a little bit, if that's the right word, because I think yeah. they were sinking, and all of a sudden they yeah. got a life preserver in the form of that goalkeeping mishap there that led to the first goal.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the story of this tournament, is like ridiculous keeper you know, mishaps that are creating massive chances for some teams like Finland. The only reason they're even close is because Kasper Schmeichel just was not in it, you know, and then you yeah. had the own goal the other day for a, like the bounce rebound off the post off the back of your mat. But yeah, I agree. Fantastic. So
0: I just went over the first goal for, for Sweden, hmm. uh, 40 some seconds into the match. <laughs> of course, our, our guy, Emil Forsberg, we both like him. We've talked oh, about, yeah. him. um, just absolutely slides it in and looking like it was going to be an easy day for the Swedes at times. Yeah. Um, Of course, this, this became one of the more, actually, this may have been the most entertaining match of the day, Um, especially in the heat they were dealing with in St. Petersburg and playing in the daytime hours Mm. uh, for, for the, you know, we'll get to in a minute, but for the type of comeback that Poland would mount in the second half and to not go down that easy. But in the beginning it is it is all Sweden. And you know, I was also commenting on how much I, I've liked watching Alexander uh, Izak Isaac play mm. a lot of times all by himself. He's because they're sitting so deep defensively, when yeah. he does get the ball, he usually doesn't have a teammate anywhere near him. Mm. And he's been able to create so much off the dribble and allow his team to get forward because yeah. it keeps the ball long enough and also allow his backline arrest.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, Poland aren't going through, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and deservedly not, but it was good to see that when kind of it all started to fall apart, there was some fight left because they mm-hmm. played terrible this entire tournament. Uh, you know, it's just shocking to me that they did as bad, badly as they did, but especially, I mean, and you felt... Kind of like with the Spanish game when Murata missed the penalty, when you saw Lewandowski get that header, hit the post, point blank chance, best striker in the world, arguably, two yards out, heads it onto the post again. You're just like, Okay, you know, Poland's done. This is it. Goodbye. Yeah, and when then,
0: Lewandowski's missing one of those, you just assume it's not. I your mean, day.
1: to hit to hit the post <laughs> off that header, it was a free header, but fair enough, it happens. But then, I mean, a point blank chance that you or I could have put away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's a bad sign. But lo and behold, he gets his goal, doesn't leave the tournament empty handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and in reality, it was an impressive performance. Really, I think people are saying from Poland, but I think from the Swedes. I mean, Poland is on paper neutral field, 10 times out of 10, mm-hmm. they will probably beat the Swedes six or seven times out of 10. Sure. And to see what they've done so far in this tournament is not only a very, uh, you know, great job that they've done the energy, they've brought but a huge compliment to their coaching staff because they have played every single game perfectly. Their setup yeah. has been very, um, you know, uh, specific to the teams that they're playing tactically they've been very sound and very disciplined you don't see them committing a lot of fouls you don't see them committing a lot of errors uh you know i think they happen occasionally but overall i'd say they've been extremely surprising just in the way in which they're set up each and every game i mean we've only seen three but i've been impressed yeah no
0: doubt it it's going to be interesting to see and we i have the round of 16 um matchups scrolling along the bottom mm-hmm. throughout the show and it's good there's some real big time matchups already i mean, going on in this round of 16
1: are we are we going to get to those are we talking about those at all i think we we probably
0: will be able to do that before yeah, we i go. mean that, um,
1: i just have to say it i gotta get it out but i can't wait i can't wait to see this tragic german side bounce england
0: I, yeah. I did say that on the, in the open when I first started. I yeah. said that as well, that I think that, uh oh, they're, they're going to be crushed.
1: <laughs> I mean, and, and especially I said this, you know, and I know we'll get to that game, but like Germany has so many holes in their defense. Mm-hmm. And yet you watch England play and you're like, you're not going to do anything with it. I mean, I would be I would be shocked. I would be shocked if they put up three in any game. Not that you need to, but just there's no there's no. I don't know connectivity between their players. Anyway, whatever.
0: Yeah, uh, it will. It, it is. That's one of the ones that I'm I'm excited to see. Obviously, mm-hmm. and sticking with this one here, uh, Forsberg doubles the lead in the 59th, yeah. yep. and then Lewandowski, you know, puts the team on his back and puts them back in the game with six minutes to go, and they had been just constantly coming forward, coming forward. They level in the 84th it looked like they were still going to steal a winner in this one. It did not look like, like Sweden were going to be the ones to get a late winner on the counter because Sweden Mm. were pinned back to be honest until they finally, I think the adrenaline or the, the energy just finally was sucked out of the Polish side and they got caught. You know, they had to send guys forward. They needed the victory and it eventually came back to get them there in the end, in the 90th plus four place. And, will finish it off and put Sweden through and to win the group. And I don't know how many people in the pick 'em challenge uh, had Sweden picked to to I win sure the group. Well I don't I know think that I had anyone them actually did. in
1: third, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think that's where me. most
0: people had them. Yeah. So um, any final thoughts on, on this one?
1: Um Sweden's gonna be a tougher tougher out for people than I think, I think they definitely, definitely have the legs to beat the Ukraine the way I've seen them Mm -hmm. set up. Uh, Just, just because of the way that the Ukraine plays as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, I can't say it enough full credit to the Swedish coaching staff. I mean, the way that they have approached each game has made them look in control the whole time. Even against Spain, there was never a moment where you felt that they were out of their depth or outclassed or getting lucky. And uh, that's, that's a really telling sign in these type of competitions when players don't look rattled, when, you know, they give up a two goal lead, they still calm down and get it back. I mean, these are these are the signs of a team that, you know, has a lot of uh, fight and a lot of ability in them. I don't think they're going to go very far, but mm-hmm. I think they can definitely beat the Ukraine.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And how happy are the Ukraine? I think they thought they were done. Um, I don't think yeah. that they thought they were going to be here and that's why you got to wait until it's over because remember they played very early and then had a couple days waiting but that's why they keep training Mm. um in the end spain does them a a big favor by by blowing out slovakia and taking them out of the picture and then portugal gets that point and that leaves a spot for for spain in the in the uh Round of, for excuse me, for Ukraine in the round of 16.
1: That, that is one thing I will say, sorry, about the earlier game, is that I can't say this, I'm not in their camp, but it did look like Slovakia came out and said, let's just not lose by too much. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like they in any way were trying to press. It didn't look right. in any way like they were trying to control the ball. It looked like their entire game plan was... What we were saying the other day about Portugal, like, you know, you can't have that mentality of, oh, let's just not lose by too much. Because Mm -hmm. not only can you lose by too much, but you're not attacking the ball. And then Spain got more comfortable on it. I mean, can you imagine if Slovakia had pressed and maybe even gone ahead after that Morata penalty? Yeah. They would have been just absolutely torn apart. But instead, they let them keep coming at them. And they're not Mm -hmm. a good enough team to do that. And they paid the price. They're out of the Euros, deservedly so. I mean, yeah, absolutely. they could have stayed in, and the game plan that they had seemed to be: let's just let them, you know, get their one or two goals and then go mm-hmm. home.
0: Yeah, if not for a penalty, you know, surrender to Sweden, they probably get a point there, yeah. and they'd be going on. <laughs> it, 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 instead of one of the te- well, instead of the Ukraine, the Ukraine would yeah. have been out because they would have been the ones on three points. So, all right, we'll move to the later games. I'll start with Portugal and France today mm. because this is where the majority, obviously, my attention was um although it, it is nerve-wracking because as results start to go you start to shift your attention to see if as your team starts to like not play well you're you're looking to see well maybe we can get the help over here but i'll go to the lineups first and i'll start with france um hmm. didier Deschamps comes out with hugo loris uh 4 2 is their formation and um I got a thought on this. I'll, I'll, I will I would love to get your, your thought on it in a moment. Um, they got Jules Kayunde uh, moved into the starting lineup. Rafael Varane, mm-hmm. Presnel Kimpembe, and Lucas Hernandez across the back. Pogba and Conte as the double pivot in midfield. And then an attacking trio of Corentin, Tolisso, Antoine Griezmann, and Kylian Mbappe. And they're playing behind Karim Benzema. And I think... Mm-hmm that France are moving too many pieces around to get everybody on the pitch. Yeah. Cause I think that Griezmann is not being set up to succeed in this role. Mm. and And he doesn't normally play well against Portugal either, which is, is ironic because his grandfather's Portuguese, but he, he, he has, he struggles when he plays against Portugal. It was the same thing in the final five years ago. And he, I, I, he's dropping so deep. This is an attack-minded player with goal-scoring ability and, and assisting ability. And a lot of times, he's parking himself right between Conte and Pogba. Yeah. And I, I think, it, it to me, it looks like he's moving pieces around just to get all of the big names on the pitch together, which I mm. think is part of the mistake that Portugal was making and in, in today corrected because dropping Bruno Fernandes... Which was a tough decision. Allowed the others to play their game more. So I'll Mm -hmm. go to I'll go to Portugal's lineup. So there were some changes which people expected. Which Julie Foudy obviously didn't watch the first game when she thought that you know the outside backs would both be swapped out when it was an overload and it was the extra guy that was always you know making doing the damage. I got real annoyed with her pregame analysis, but Rui Patricio's in goal, Nelson Semedo at right back, Pepe and Ruben Diaz, and Rafael Guerrero on the left. And then the changes. So he goes from a double holding mid to a single holding mid, which I think worked well. He leaves Danilo in. Out comes uh, Bruno and William. In comes mm-hmm. Renato Sanchez and Joel Moutinho. I talked about João Moutinho on Saturday. Uh, he is maybe the least popular player on this team with fans, and I think he was crucial today. Mm-hmm. He cut out those passing lanes. He protected Nelson in He he protected against that overload. France didn't really look for it the same way that the Germans did because France is looking for their attacking players. Yeah. They're looking for Mbappe. They're looking for for Griezmann. You know, so they're they're not gonna attack the same way that Germany did. Which is why I thought this was going to be a little bit of a better matchup. The Germans are just a absolutely horrible matchup for Portugal. Um, yeah. With the way that they throw bodies forward and, and they force you back. And they don't allow you to force them to defend. They just have a way about it. And... I think today, for everything the manager got wrong on Saturday, he corrected the problems today. Mm. Renato Sanchez was phenomenal today. Yeah. I thought he was huge. He brought a lot of energy. He has the ability to, to relieve pressure off the dribble. He can carry the ball 30, 40 yards yep. and get out of our end for a little while, which we couldn't do against Germany. So that they were, oh, it was wave after wave coming forward. And then up front, much better game from Bernardo Silva and from Diogo Jota. They tracked mm. back a lot better. They didn't just sit up front as much. And I think they both put in a real hard shift. They even switched sides at times uh to confuse the French a little bit. And of course, the striker is, is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, they were both they were both pens, but but ice cold in his veins to 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 finalize them. Um the second one, especially I was worried about because and he, he had already taken one. I thought your uh Hugo Laris was gonna guess correctly on the second one. He didn't. Mm. And, um, like you said, with all the penalties being missed, it's, there needs to be something said about stepping up and, and in scoring them, especially yeah. with the type of stakes that were on the line
1: today. A hundred percent. I think also, I don't know, uh, you know, even though don't get me wrong, he has a past of, you know, doing, doing some, uh, penalties that. Are pretty easy to say, but I, mm-hmm. I'm just such a believer in moments like this. Like big game players show up. That's mm-hmm. why you give the penalties to Benzema and not Mbappe.
2: That's right, why exactly.
1: Ronaldo, 10 times out of 10, if he's missed the first nine, you still let him take you that 10th. Yep. Because they're the players that not only are not shaken by all those misses, but the ones that are still coming at that 10th shot with the same amount of intensity mm-hmm. and confidence that they know they can do it. And You know, even though this game was kind of, I don't know, not marred by penalties, but like, you know, three out of the four goals were penalties. I mean, if that was a prop bet, it'd be like plus 50,000. Right, right. Uh, Someone would have got rich on that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But the thing that I liked most about this game is I think, one, it exposed France Mm -hmm. because France got a lucky goal against Germany, but really they should have three points in this tournament. Mm -hmm. And... Like you said, the rotation, you know, maybe that's part of it. And Deschamps is trying to do that. I mean, God, he did that all the time at PSG and look what that did. But, I mean, I just don't know where France gets their threat when playing a team that isn't very good. You know, like this is why I think they drew the way they did with Hungary is because... Hungary's not that great of a team, as much as they look great today, but that was mm-hmm. more Germany than anything. Sure. But when they have the onus on them, you have to attack the game, you have to go and get the goal. They don't have that fire within them. You know, it's, it's very much how people's criticism of Paul Pogba at Manchester United is that he looks almost apathetic sometimes. Mm-hmm obviously the skill is there but the desire and the fire to make sure that you win that game is not there like you see with the Cristiano Ronaldo like you mm. see with the Bruno Fernandes even though he didn't play like Renato said the entire Portuguese team really mm. um, you know you see it with the Germans you know you see it with you don't see it with England this kind of real intensity that we want to win and when we have to we're going to go and grab that win whereas france seems very very happy to sit back let the game come to them mm-hmm. and then know that they have much much more superior attacking on the counter mm-hmm. and that they are probably the better team so ah, yeah we'll probably win and that's a really really slippery slope to play when it comes to these knockout stages because look what happened in the you know euro final uh four years ago that's exactly how they played. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is when they get behind, they're not good at getting the lead. It's yeah. like exactly what happened against Hungary. They got behind, they scored, and never really looked like scoring again because Hungary was just sitting everybody back. So I don't know. I Exposed is the wrong word, but I just think France, they have a lot of uh, – they have a lot to work out in terms of their ability mm-hmm. to take the game to someone else as opposed yeah. to the other way around. And I think that's what Germany got caught out doing today is that Germany went into this game thinking Hungary's going to sit back. We're going to attack them. You know, we're going to pretty much employ the exact same thing we did against Portugal, but instead Hungary came out furious and we're like, fuck it, we're going for it. And they did. And they got an early lead and Germany got slapped in the mouth. They didn't expect it at all. And yeah. I think that's exactly the kind of danger that you see in France. Is like if they go behind, like I mean, they did today. Don't get me wrong, but then it was a penalty and penalty mm-hmm. and penalty. If they if it's open play, I I don't see and them a, a marginal either, onside you know I mean? by a
0: hair. I mean, the second yeah. goal he's onside by a hair.
1: So yeah, I mean, oh. it's 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 interesting to see. And and they come back and get the lead and then give it up. You know, almost yeah. immediately. I, I just. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I think, unfortunately, you know, I, I want Portugal to win it all. Um, mm-hmm. I think Belgium's a really tough matchup because they oh, play yeah. like the Germans. Yeah. Um, I think England would have been, you know.
0: That would have been perfect.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I loved seeing the adjustments Portugal made, mm-hmm. like you said. But the thing that, again, and I, I go back to this, and I think it means a lot more, is that, you have a team that is willing to not only make those alterations, but it doesn't shake them when they do drop behind. They're like, mm-hmm. all right, you know, they had the lead. They lost the lead. Then they went behind. They still came back and fought. Yeah, You know what I mean? That, that kind of fire and that kind of team, I think, you know, just there's a lot to be said for that. And, you know, we saw that with Germany. Like, they got punched in the mouth, and unexpectedly so. Yet, yeah, you knew that entire game they were not losing. Like yeah. they, they fought all the way through, but Portugal, I mean, you know, and, and do you really think of all three penalties? Like was any one of them not a penalty for you?
0: No, I think they all were penalties. They're yeah. just I on mean, the that's... limit of what is a penalty.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and don't get me wrong. Like,
0: you know, that the word they used like, is soft. And I guess that's right, but still a the penalty. letter of the
1: law, you know, right. I
0: mean, Especially I in, just... in the age of VAR.
1: And, and what does it say if your team gives up two penalties? You know, like and not not just two penalties, but both were penalties to lose the lead or to yeah. you know lose their position in the game. Mm-hmm. One was to go behind and one was to lose their lead. And it's like that means that you get rattled at the most important times. Yeah. You know, like giving away two penalties is so insane at the level that France plays. And again, we said this at the beginning of the tournament. You know, I think France has probably the best back four in the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, stunning defense. And this this happens against you know a Portugal team where you kind of know the way in which they're going to attack. Mm-hmm. It, it just it stuns me that they keep getting results that are subpar. I mean, their only win, they didn't score a goal. Mm-hmm. Like right. that, that's insane to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, they've certainly underwhelmed. I mean, I think this I had said before before you got here that th- this group ended up being even tougher than than these teams expected. Yeah. For um, sure. I watched the post-game press conference on Portuguese television, and Portugal coach said he he believes all three teams underestimated Hungary now that it's all set and done. I mean,
1: who's the only one to get a fucking win against him? Right,
0: right. right. And, I mean, everyone looked at this like Hungary's a layup, and then the other three will battle it out for first, second, and third. And it didn't play out that way. Everybody had to fight, claw,
1: and scratch to get a point from, from Hungary. So. But, but again, and, and this is this is the thing that makes me like, I don't know. I, I don't have time for forgiveness in that regard because Hungary should have had zero points in yeah. this tournament. By no fault of their own, they came up against three very good teams. But the idea that Portugal can have zero goals until the 84th minute and then win 3-0 mm-hmm. and then France goes behind and then draws and Germany goes behind and then draws, like... I don't know. I, It just, it irks me that you can't really back either of those teams because what kind of performance is that? And I know Germany pretty much blew out Portugal, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it feels weird to say that France is this dominant first place winner and mm-hmm. they're going on to face England. And I think, it, I, you know, or excuse me, not England. Um, They're going they on to face Switzerland. Switzerland. Thank you. And they're going to, you know, obliterate them. But like, Are they? You know, I just, I don't know. I haven't seen anything that says they're going to do well. Can you really trust them to go do that? They got gifted three points. They haven't won a game. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and I mean this, this, these teams really had to play in this group stage. There was no coasting. So, whether or not that's going to get them battle tested or that's going to get them worn out as the tournament goes on, that's going to remain to be seen. Well, um, what, a,
1: what a also, you know, Deschamps wins a game, right? And then what does he do? Completely change the lineup. Yeah. Now, I can kind of understand that because you, like I said, you didn't really win the game, you got handed it, mm-hmm. but you completely change the lineup. And then you draw a game that you should absolutely win. Yeah. And then for the next game, you completely change it up again. Mm-hmm. Whereas Portugal, they won a game handily, kept the same team, got mm-hmm. destroyed changed it up, drew a game against a very good French side. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think the Euros is such an interesting time to see coaches be exposed because you don't have a 40-game season. You don't have a 32-game right. season. You have three matches to get it right and then three more to hopefully make it to the final. And I, from the big clubs, you can tell, you know, like, I don't trust Deschamps. I don't mm-hmm. trust Gareth Southgate. You know, like, th- yeah. there are teams that... They look as though they could have all the talent in the world. I don't trust Enrique, and yet they're not going to go anywhere with it because they look so discombobulated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And and there was a, a disconnect in the French team today. They mm. especially after Portugal go ahead. Because yeah. so the, they get the penalty in the 30th minute. Uh Lloris catches Danilo with a knockout punch. I mean, um the the old adage that the goalkeeper can go through people he still has to get the ball and, and the, I mean, even nice when he got looks. the ball <laughs> he got it after Danilo had flicked it yeah so so he got there second he got there second that's not getting the ball you have to get there first to get the ball yeah so that's a that is a penalty for me and all, and day. I, all, day. all day so ronaldo converts it and for the next 10 minutes portugal all of a sudden have this this new life in them they're on the mm-hmm. front foot they're going forward they're they're combining they're making nice movements off the ball um they're all you know intertwining with each other and, and the ball is moving beautifully france are kind of sitting back like you say and they looked more likely to get a second until until you know france get a penalty kind of out of nowhere yeah and But it is, I will say, just you know, it it is a penalty. Okay, again, the letter of the law. The video shows the arm comes up. That's a penalty. It's in the box, and it is funny how how commentary will say that he was so smart to go down in the area. And if it's a different player, (laughs) they would have called him a cheat. But (laughs) but it is a penalty. And like you said, Benzema steps up. No mistake about it. That was the right guy to take it. Hmm. Um. Funny enough, though, Pepe was pointing right to where he was going to shoot it, and, and Rui uh ignored him and dove the other way and uh, or didn't see him. But 1 1. Then we come out for the second half. Lucas Digne comes on for Lucas Hernandez. He plays about five minutes and then has to come off injured. And Adrian Rabio comes on. And this kind of helps Portugal a little bit because it weakens the back line for, for France. Um, also, Uh, Joan Palina comes in for Danilo. Um, presumably after getting hit in the, you know, punched in the jaw, he was feeling the effects. And Benzema scores two minutes into the half on that nice, nice play from Paul Pogba again. Beautiful. Maybe he's been France's best player in this group stage. He's been so good. And, you know, later in the match, he'll have that shot that forced a fantastic save from Patricio. But, um, yeah, I, I it is. It's mind blowing because he's such a likable player in a French uniform.
1: I, I love Benzema. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we
0: get to the 60th minute now. Portugal get another penalty. That's a penalty all day. The guy's arm is like this. Yeah, it's you know they can talk about you know the new wording in the rules, but anytime you make yourself bigger with your arm, that's that's going to be handling the ball. Yep. And uh, makes no mistake again under I think there was even more pressure in that second one, obviously, because it's not nil nil anymore. You're losing. You know, Hungary are are winning at this point. I think they were still up one nil at that point. And I don't ever believe anybody that says they don't know what's going on in the other result. Because word travels very, very quick. They've got cell phones on the bench nowadays, especially in the old days, they'd have a radio that one coach would have an earbud in listening to. And, and they'd say, Oh no, no, he's not listening to the other game. (laughs) But, uh, so he steps up knowing that this may be their only chance to score in the, in the next 30 minutes because, you know, France are very good at controlling the game from Mm. a defensive stance and just not allowing you the good opportunities. He converts it. It's 2-2. Two, two. Kinsley Coleman comes in for current and Taliso and Coleman really caused problems for Portugal's back line when uh, he came 100%. in. 100%. Oh, yeah. He really – that was a fantastic substitution. I'm glad it didn't happen sooner <laughs> because <laughs> oh, no. it would have –
1: been Heroic. Heroic yeah. goalkeeping right. from Rui Patricio. Yeah,
0: he, he made some huge reminded me of the 2016 final and some of the saves he was mm-hmm. forced to make I mean, in that game. Just,
1: it, it reminded me, yeah, of, of uh, what was it, the 2014 World Cup, uh, that Tim Howard game 14 yeah, saves against Belgium. exactly but against just, Belgium. Yep, he he could do no wrong, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So keeps
0: it 2 2 with those saves, uh, then Portugal make a couple substitutions. In the 72nd, out comes Bernardo Silva and Jerome Moutinho. They mm. put in a hard shift today. Covered a lot of space. In comes Bruno and Ruben Neves, who's looking more and more like me with the overgrown beard and <laughs> overgrown COVID hair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he, he, they come on, sturdies up the, the the midfield. So the midfield, mm. the difference was it's much more balanced today than it was on Saturday. You got less flashy players and more stable players. More, more you know, secure players. And he keeps that, that theme going. Nelson the is injured in the 79th and we get the debut of Diogo Dalo, which scared me to death. And when I heard pundits calling for him to be included in the starting lineup, I said, you obviously didn't just watch the U 21s when he got skinned alive in all three knockout matches, but he comes on and does not, you know, he's not a liability. He does what he does his job. Sissoko comes on in the 87th for Griezmann. So France are now saying, "Okay, this is good enough for us. Let's mm-hmm. not give up another goal." Um, Sergio Oliveira comes on for 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 Portugal, replaces Renato Sanchez in the 88th. Interestingly enough, Portugal's coach is starting th- when he learns that the game is over and that Germany and Hungary have drawn and that Portugal are through, all of a sudden he wants everybody to start going forward and he wants to go for the victory with five minutes yeah, left. Exactly. And he explained that he could see in his players' eyes that they didn't have the juice left to go do that. Yeah. And it was a he said it was a very hot night and the players were exhausted. And I know a lot of the pundits said some of the breakdowns were more to exhaustion than they were to any type of brilliance in the play because the teams got much more vertical in the second half Mm. And they were breaking through the lines easier. Um, it was it was nerve-wracking, let me tell you. I I finally when Germany went 2-2, I, I started to breathe again because I, I said to myself, not only is Germany gonna shellack us, they're gonna go and lose so that we're eliminated. <laughs> That's what it felt like at one point. Yeah, and uh they finally get the equalizer. And we can go into that game. So I'll look at uh, that lineup. It is one thing that's fun is when you have these simultaneous matches going and they directly affect each other. Yeah. And, well, that's why they
1: do them. So technically yeah. they can't play Correct. to the result of the other. You
0: know. Right. Because it was, I think, World Cup 82 where Germany and Austria played pass for 90 minutes because they knew a drop. In that Bolster Japan group.
1: game as well. Yeah, um, Yeah, exactly. When was it 98 or 96 or whatever? Yeah,
0: something like that. So Germany will come out with Manuel Neuer in goal, Ginter, Hummels, and Rudiger in the back, Kimmich and Gauzins as the wingbacks, still the same, Kruz and Gondogan in the center. Uh, Sané comes into the starting lineup. He, um, he partners with Kai Havertz as the attacking midfielders behind Serge Gnabry. For Hungary, Gulazzi's in goal and a tough day for him. Uh, Loic Nego is the right wing back. The left wing backs Attila Atila Fiola. Three center backs, Atila Shalai, Will Orban, and Andre Botka. Uh, three midfielders, Laszlo Kleinheiser, uh, Adam Nagy, and Andrea Schaffer with Roland Shalai and Adam Shalai in the attack. Um, again, Hungary get ahead early in this one. Which put my stress levels through the roof because I'm thinking, well, Germany, if they play like they did Saturday, they'll win easy, and this will be relatively stress free. It'll be about whether we get second oh, yeah. or third. No, 11th minute, Adam Shalai scores, and it's one nil to to Hungary. And I do have to say, for a moment, for anyone who who who's attributing Hungary's toughness to playing at home, they were on the road today in Munich against Germany and mm-hmm. took it to them. So going back to the point you made earlier in the week or about a week ago about how we've seen the home field hasn't been good for everybody. No. And you can say that aside from that one match, Germany have not been good at home in this, in these three matches.
1: Yeah.
0: You get, let's see. So second half Havertz, Scores on a broken play. I mean, Hummels heads it straight up into the air. Gulachi's way out of position, and somehow Havertz comes down and is able to head it into the empty net. There was a check for offside, but the goal stood. Timo Werner checks in in the 67th. A few minutes before that, Leon Goretzka checked in for Ilkay Uh Goretzka would make a difference in this one. Yeah, I know, right?
1: What, yep. uh, what a substitution. Yeah. Uh, hey, you're low.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So one one minute after Germany level, Hungary goes ahead again. I don't know what Manuel Neuer was doing on this play. He's running out straight up, not covering, not making himself big at all in the slightest Flick up by him. Yep. (laughs) And the sweeper-keeper gets beat. And there's 20 minutes to go at this point. And you're starting to wonder, is Germany really going to let this happen? Yeah. Now, had they not drawn, they would have been the ones going out. Yep, exactly. Had they lost, which this was such a torment for me because I'm I want to make sure right? my team advances. <laughs> I want to make sure my team advances, but I would love for Germany to go out at the same time. Yep. Yet the, I know if they they score and they draw a level, we're, we're safe. It was yep. just an internal battle going on inside me. So in the final minutes, I wanted Hungary to steal a winner late when it looked like the draw was, you know, in Portugal's hands. Mm. But, um, again, that's why these – this is one of the greatest things in this sport is these these simultaneous games, and you don't know what two are going to come out. And, yep. you know, it goes back and forth over the course of the 90 minutes, and the story just keeps changing, and it keeps evolving. You get a couple of substitutions here. Germany send in Musiala for Gosens. And Kevin Wallen for Ginter. Obviously, they need a goal. They get it in the 84th. That is Leon Goretzka.
1: Goretzka, man.
0: Yeah, he, like him. we said, the super sub comes in. He makes the difference. And because of that, Germany will advance. Uh, the 12,403 in Munich. Celebrate for the most part. There was a mostly German crowd. And the referee would whistle at 90 plus four. Hmm. Germany takes second, setting
1: up quite the matchup with England. I mean, I the the thing I took away most from this game was just that Germany and so okay, call me call me square, but Germany is Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, For the most part, yeah. The way that they play football, somewhat like Manchester United, but more so, I think, is yeah. we score, they score, but we score more. Yeah, and it is unbelievable how. I like, you know, I was talking about it in a cappers group that I'm in that, you know, people were saying, ah, Germany to nil and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there is no way in hell Germany are keeping a clean sheet in any game in this tournament.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: No way because their defense is old. It's lacking, but also that's not the way they play. Same with Bayern Munich. It's like no matter who their defenders are, they concede, but they just score more than you. And you see Germany, the way that they are set up is – we expect to control the game. We expect to control the ball all of the time. So all of their goals come on for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part, breaks or free kicks or, you know, penalties or some kind of mistake by a sure. defender, you know, a back pass that goes awry, rise, something like that. Mm-hmm. They never get broken down.
2: Right. And
1: so you look at their, you know, matchups. That's why, that's why the, they did so well against Portugal, right? They took the game to Portugal. Portugal, somewhat similarly, is used to having a bit more of the ball and controlling it. France, not that way. They just Mm -hmm. love to sit back. That's what they do. So when you see Germany get kind of flustered and out of sorts like they did today, Mm -hmm. it all starts to crumble because they're like, wait, I don't get it. Why aren't we controlling the ball? Why aren't we controlling the pace of play? I mean, I think when the first goal went in, Germany had... Up to that point, 80% of the possession, Mm -hmm. five shots, three on target. And they were down 1-0. I mean, that's that's that nightmare kind of scenario. And it's what happens to Bayern Munich all the time in the same way. It's like they're playing against, you know, Werder Bremen or Schalke or, you Mm -hmm. know, one of these lower table teams, you know, not even in the Bundesliga anymore, Schalke. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, all right, so we're going to control the entire game. We're going to have 15 shots four on target in the first half and we're going to be down one nil going into the second half and and you see that time and time again because of the fact that they expect to control so much of the play and so when they play a team like England it's going to be so interesting because England is set up to control the ball but not do anything with it so Germany will just keep pressing and pressing and pressing and, and England the way that they could be extremely successful again you know couch manager at home manager here is use your wing backs and use the unbelievable pace you have Mm -hmm. with Sterling and Rashford and Sancho, who still has yet to make any sort of headway, and Foden. And you put these balls in from your wingbacks. You put these long balls over the top for Harry Kane, for Sterling, and that's how they would be successful. They don't do that because they're obsessed with this ticky-tack bullshit that Spain tries to do, Mm -hmm. and it's not successful for them. That's why they only have two goals in this entire tournament Mm -hmm. uh, against terrible teams as well. And... Germany is going to really press them and really test their ability to counter, which is so right. interesting because if you look at who they have on their team, I mean, again, take Phil Foden out of this equation, but if you and and Sterling for the most part as well, but if you look at Harry Kane and you look at uh, Jadon Sancho and you look at uh, Marcus Rashford, the way that their teams are set up are to counter and mm-hmm. to use pace in order to score, right. and England doesn't do that at all. And when they I should, I was talking, I was talking to my wife's father today and he, you know, he's English and he <laughs> was, we were talking about the games and he was saying the exact same thing. It's like amazing how, Hey, here's this talent. This is what they're good at, but we're not going to do it.
0: We're not going to do that. We're going to do what gonna we're
1: not Germany's going to take the game to them so much that I wonder like, how does a team that's getting pressed so high score a goal? If it's not going to be on the counter, if it's not going to be on the break,
0: Yeah. So does Sancho finally play since it's against Germany and it's against players he's familiar with?
1: Isn't this insane? Like (laughs) I I guarantee Gareth Southgate's there right now talking to him, saying like, "All right, Jadon, like tell me about tell me about these guys because half of them play on your biggest rival, the other half play either for you or in your league, Mm -hmm. and you know he's going to tell them everything, and then he's going to ride the pine for be the assistant coach (laughs) and come on, you know, when they're down." 2-1, 2-0, 2-1, 2-0. And he's gonna say, go make a difference, son. Like, yeah, no way. I mean, it's just if Jaden Sancho doesn't play a major part in this game against Germany, it's it's a travesty, man. He I should agree. have stayed at home by the pool. Yeah, it's resting up for the next for the next season. Um
0: so before we, we move on to the round of sixteen, I, I gotta, you know, make a shout out. Cristiano Ronaldo now tied for the most international goals all time. Go. Which I think is a great thing for Portugal because I think that will alleviate the obsession with
1: him having to score all the goals. Yeah, and because also deservedly so. He's and deservedly so, He's the greatest so. footballer, Absolutely. in my opinion, of yeah. all
0: time. So we get... There was an Instagram post today from uh, the man he's about to pass, uh, Ali Daye. I'm going to put it up here. And... It's pretty, pretty classy. I thought it was really cool. Oh, yeah. And he put this on his... And it just says, congratulations to Cristiano Ronaldo, who is now one goal away from breaking the men's international goal-scoring record. I am honored that this remarkable achievement will belong to Ronaldo, a great champion of football and a caring humanist who inspires and impacts lives throughout the world. Vamos from Ali Daye. When this is really classy. Um, yeah. Of course, if I'm a... You know, footballer with a record, and someone's going to take my record. I want it to be someone like this, Prolific. and you Never can tell your big grandkids big. you were the greatest scorer in international history until Cristiano Ronaldo came along. And yeah, yeah in terms of international football, there is—I don't think there's a comparison. You can talk about the Liechtensteins and the Andorras that get stuck in in the in the qualifying, but you're talking about. Let's see. You're talking about like 17 years at this mm-hmm. level now. Yeah. 38 years old. Actually, it's 19 years. It was it was he was 19 or 18 when he broke onto the team. He's 30 36 so yeah. 17 years or so since 2004 in the national team scoring goals. But yeah. the amount of goals he scored after the age of 30 is what's astounding. As his role and his game got more refined and as he became a more deadly scorer and less of a dribbler, it's just here he is, top scorer in this competition at 36 years old. It's, yeah.
1: Nobody. And, and and don't get me wrong. Like, yes, three of them are penalties. Sure. But at the same time, it's one of those situations where, first of all, you have to be in position to mm-hmm. get those penalties, and right. players were, and you have to step up and be willing to take them, and players mm-hmm. were. And – again, it's it's not just about the goals, it's the impact. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I I just, you know, I gush over it because he is, in my opinion, the greatest of all time and, and one of my favorite players of all time. But it is just like, you look at the way he influences a game for both teams. Yeah. Like, you can bet that France had a whole session about how are we going to approach guarding Cristiano? What are we going to do around him? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like, when you when you play Steph Curry, when you play LeBron James in basketball, you know, when you when you go up against Barry Bonds in baseball, yeah. you are a player that completely changes the dynamic of a team versus if it was just eleven players versus eleven players.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other thing that, you know, I, I imagine you feel a lot of pride in is that mm-hmm. it seems like and and he he doesn't make it about himself when it comes to winning a game, whether right. it's, you know, Whoever scores the winner, that's that's all that matters. Yeah. And, yes, I'm going to take the penalties. Yes, I'm going to take the free kicks. But it's still just like he impacts Portugal and the Portuguese team so positively mm-hmm. in that sense. We're here to win. We're not here to give me glory. And right. he ends up getting glory because of that, you know. And, and yeah, I just, again, this is why I say he's the GOAT is because you look at his contemporary comparison, Messi, who only beats him out in, you know, La well, Liga titles and uh, and one more, um, Ballon d'Or. Yeah, Ballon d'Or. But it's like he doesn't take Argentina to that level. No. And I, I just think that's that's a big difference, you know. Like he, even when he was on Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo, he, there were some games that he willed them to win. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I love watching him and think yeah. Congratulations. No, he, and,
0: and he was huge and. Especially at Real Madrid in that four Pete in the Champions League. He just showed up in the biggest games rather than, you know, yeah, he scores against the Minnows, but he shows up in the biggest games. Uh, this is two matches in a row where they say he's never scored against this team, or he's never scored against Germany. He never scored against France. Well, yeah, there were penalties, but you still have to put him in. You still have to score him, and it's penalties wasn't a penalty under, against
1: Germany. You got to be not against no. He yeah. actually
0: starts the play by winning the ball off a corner in his Staying own six-yard box. At Thirty-six
1: years old. Look at yeah. the grounds he made up to catch up. Yeah. Just, exactly,
0: exactly. He, people, he people pulled hate, off a hundred a hundred-meter sprint
1: to get there for the tap in. right. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have to run, but No problem. Uh, I will say the la- the only thing I will say is I I do think that Portugal has a shot against Belgium if they score first. Yeah, it's got to be, it's gotta it's, be it's quick out the gates for them.
0: coming from behind. I said I was asked who I thought would be in the final uh, from a, a viewer and I said it's I think at least one finalist is coming out of that quarterfinal which will be Italy versus Belgium or Portugal. I yeah. think the winner of that quarterfinal goes I think behind. I think Lukaku
1: is going to be a nightmare for yeah. and the boys but He know. could be.
0: All right, yeah. thank you for joining me tonight, man. I appreciate it. Everybody see follow later. him at Fade My Play and uh we'll see you Saturday hopefully.
1: Get in boys. All right, see you. All right, see you. Okay. So,
0: um thank you again to Bodie for coming on and uh giving us his time. He's been so generous with his time this this whole Euro um you know, making himself available just about every night to be on here with me. It is always a pleasure to have him here. I like his insight. He brings a lot of things that I don't always notice, which is what's good about having these conversations versus, you know, the the, the one-man show that I normally do where I just kind of talk and talk and talk. But I, I always like to get his point of view or anyone else's point of view as well. Before we go, what I'm going to pull up for you guys now is, is the table in the pick 'em challenge? So I'm going to pull that up onto the screen for those of you watching. Anyone listening on the podcast will, I'll just read it for you and we'll see who's leading right now in the predictions. So it is the park in the bus 2020 pick 'em, and in first place is still James Allen Arnold, 14 points, and at rim okay. Also, on 14 points, the there has been no change there in the last uh, 24 hours. d is and Lucas Diedrich, Mario, and Alexi Taran, as well as at Eunum 1904, all tied for third right now with 13 points. Nuno Pereira and my wife, who is kicking my you-know-what right now, along with Claudio Abrunosa-Pardal, and Brian Hanford are all in eighth right now with 12 points. My father is tw- is also is 12th, sorry, with 11. And he's tied with Leo at, at Gens United and at James Mix Picks. And in 15th with 10 points, Tiago Gomes, Josh Marsal, and at Moonblast X, Zach Grimes in the PTB Media Network are 18th on nine points. Matt Gadit is 20th right now in, with seven. And my goodness, it has happened. My son, my five year old son, is ahead of me now. This, I got, I will tell you, I'm going to pull up my card. I don't know if it's big enough for you to see. Th- this is my card. And you can see what teams I had and what teams are gone. Turkey, gone. Scotland, gone. Poland, gone. Russia gone. That was the matchups I picked and um yeah. Uh that's why I'm in last place right now. So, you know, it's not always it's not always um as easy as it looks to predict football matches. But uh congratulations to everybody up there in the top and we will check in again Saturday as more teams go home. So, here is the the schedule. Going forward, it is scrolling there along the bottom. But for those of you that are listening, I will read it for you. Saturday, 12 o'clock Eastern time here in the United States on the East Coast. 9 Pacific. Um, It is Wales versus Denmark. That match will take place in the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam. And then the late game on on Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. Italy hosting Austria at the Olimpico in Rome. No, excuse me, they are not at the Olimpico in Rome. I misspoke. They are at Wembley on on Sunday, on Saturday, and then Sunday the early game, same noon kickoff Eastern Time, Pushkas Arena in in um, Budapest. The Netherlands take on the Czech Republic, and the three PM three PM game, the late game. At the Estadio de la Cartuja in Sevilla, in Spain. Practically a home game for Portugal. We'll see uh, if they get any kind of of home field advantage. It's going to be very, very hot. It is one of the hottest cities in Europe, Seville. Uh, It is Belgium taking on Portugal. Um, I may not get a chance to preview this one. This is going to be a tough match, but this is one I'm really going to enjoy watching, I think. Portugal can exploit certain holes in Belgium's backline, especially, and, and especially the guy who plays at my club. If he's on the pitch, if, if Jan Vertongen is on the pitch, okay, he is going to have a hard time keeping pace with the Diogo Jotas and the Bernardo Silvas and the Cristiano Ronaldos. If I'm Fernando Santos, I am attacking Jan Vertongen. And I'm sorry, Jan, Super Jan, you were. Brilliant, also, you know, you were very, very professional and very good this season for us, even though uh, the season was, was not good. It was not the fault of Jan Vertonghen, and he's very good at building play out of the back. But I think that's a spot Portugal can attack, but they have to have the ball and you don't usually hear me come on here advocating for having the ball. Portugal have to get close to 50-50 possession against Belgium in my opinion or else what happened against Germany will happen again. The difference is the the the, the Belgian players make different movements than the German players. Okay. The Belgians are looking for the Lukaku's. Okay. Germany doesn't have that type of true number 9, big stocky striker. Um I actually think it may work in Portugal's favor because you can get help on Lukaku. You have Pepe there, but he's probably he's probably not going to pick on Ruben Dias. He's going to pick on Pepe. But you've also got either Pailinho, who was fantastic today, or you have Danilo to hold, play in the holding midfield role and drop between the center backs and assist in, in holding down Romelu Lukaku. Kevin De Bruyne is going to be... Brilliant in midfield. I mean, he's he's going to give a, a Portugal a headache. I think he, his distribution will be will be fantastic. He's not going to be playing as a post-up false number nine like Pep Guardiola had him in the Champions League final. No, he's going to be coming from the midfield, going forward with the ball, with the game in front of him, and he's going to pick out those passing lanes. We'll see where Aiden Hazard is on, on Sunday. Um, he's yet to really impress. And, you know... My guy Jeremy Doku, who I've I've said to watch, I was impressed with him yesterday. I hope he's on the bench, and a less fit um, and a less powerful uh, player is playing in that channel in between, in between Ruben Dias and and uh, Rafael Guerrero. But that's going to be a big match for Portugal. But I think if they get by Belgium, I do fancy Portugal against Italy because Italy is yet to meet a team that can smack them in the mouth. Okay. And this, it's going to be a civil war in my house. If it comes to that between my wife and I, and, uh, you know, my in-laws and whatnot. And my son's wearing the Portugal kit, every Portugal match day. He doesn't even have an Italy kit. If, if they want to get him one, my in-laws are free to pay for it. But the kits he has are Portugal kits. So, um, It'll be a fun day. It'll be fun if if they meet them in the quarterfinals for sure. But you have to give the edge to Belgium here. They're playing better. Um, however, they have more pressure on them, in my opinion. They're yet to win anything. And this is a generation that has been touted for years as the golden generation of Bel- of Belgian football. So we'll see what happens in that one. That is the Sunday matches going on with the schedule Monday Croatia versus Spain in the early matchup. This one is going to be played at the Parkin Stadium, and then you have France taking on Switzerland in the nightcap in the Arena Naționala, which I believe is in Bucharest. No, they're they're gonna play. Are they playing in, it's supposed to be in Budapest. I don't know. I thought it was supposed to be at the Pushkas Arena. I suppose it's it's in Bucharest, not Budapest. Did anyone hear about the French fans that flew to the wrong city today or yesterday? They flew to Buda, Bucharest instead of Budapest. They went to Romania instead of Hungary. They thought they were going to this match today and they got there and it was the Ukraine playing. Uh, the Romanian media pointed them out, asked them what they were, why they were there, and the story now is viral. Very, very funny. Uh, Tuesdays matches. You have the early one at Wembley. It is England versus Germany right now on FOTMOP, uh, Out of seven thousand. 527 votes, 53 people are picking England. I think they are insane, to be honest with you. I have seen nothing from England that suggests they're going to beat Germany. It doesn't mean they won't, but they have been playing around way too much. They've been in preseason mode, okay? If Germany get their head on straight, I think Germany underestimated Hungary today, but they're not going to make that mistake against England at Wembley. And if they I, if they overload. Kyle Walker and Luke Shaw. I think it's going to be a long day for the three lions. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. And I think the pressure that's on England and the expectations every time they win a match one nil, it's, it's coming home. It's coming home. And I mean, maybe it's coming home. They're going to be playing enough games at home. That's for sure. But this is a stiff test for England. No doubt. I don't think um, they're looking forward to taking on the Germans to be honest with you. Um, it'll be very, very interesting to see what approach Garrett Southgate takes. And, light, and like Bodie and I were saying, if, um, if Jaden Sancho's on the bench and you're going to play tiki-taka against this team, you're going home on Tuesday, England. Stick to your game. Get back to your basics. Play English football. And you are one of the best teams in Europe if you play English football. That's just my two cents. Sweden take on Ukraine in the final match of the round of 16 Tuesday in the late game. That match will take place from Hamden Park in Glasgow. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this episode number 54. I want to say I've already, uh, it's already escaped me. I believe it's episode 54. Yes, it is episode 54. So thank you again We will be back on Saturday. I am psyched that there are two days of no matches right now. I am exhausted. I love football, but now I want to uh, absorb some of this enjoyment I've had over the past 13 days. Okay, we'll be back on Saturday. All right, hopefully Bodie will be here with me, maybe another guest, and we'll break down Saturday's two round of 16 matches. The tournament starts for real now, folks. All right, Um, so rest up, get ready. It's going to be a wild ride all the way to the final on July the 11th. Thank you, everybody. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinio signing off. Don't forget to follow me at PTB underscore media on Instagram and on Twitter. Don't forget to go to the PTB Media Network's YouTube page. Hit the subscribe button. It's right there and hit the little bell next to it to be alerted. I really need the subs, guys. Okay. I know a lot of you are watching on, pay, on Periscope. That's where the majority of people watch this. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe on Apple uh, Podcasts or on Spotify and give a rating if you possibly can. I'm going to need ratings. I need, I need good ratings and I need subscriptions right now. Desperately. Okay. Um, So please take a moment and just click on those couple of buttons for me and subscribe to everyone watching on Facebook. Please go to YouTube right now and subscribe or watch it in the Parking the Bus Media Network's webpage, www.parkingthebusmedia.com. And you can link right to the YouTube through there. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I'll see you on Saturday here on Parking. The bus.
2: We're a million volts in a pool of light. Electricity in the room tonight. Born from fire. In the night, there's a near-mid-to-be you in my mind. Could be mad, but you might just be right.